Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dean Finelli from Politics and Life Science Radio. Thank you for joining us today where we discuss all the issues in the life science industry and the politics that drive the industry. I'm very happy today to have Dr. Carol Lieberman join us uh, on Politics and Life Science Radio. Uh, Dr. Lieberman is uh, a psychiatrist in LA, and she'll be talking to us about some issues uh, related to the coronavirus, amongst other things. But before we bring on Dr. Lieberman, uh, let's see what's going on in the world um, about COVID mostly. Uh, Dr. Uh, Vivek Murtha, the Surgeon General, is very concerned about all this inf- misinformation that's out there, and he thinks that's one of the driving forces behind the reluctance of people to become vaccinated. Uh, it looks like about 35% of adults that are eligible to get vaccinated still have not been vaccinated. Uh, we know we missed uh, President Biden's goal of hitting 70% of Americans uh, by July 4th. But nonetheless, the U.S. is still in a very uh, good position when it comes to vaccinating its citizens. Uh, we just hope that those people out there that are a little hesitant, maybe they're waiting for approval uh, of the vaccines, full approval, uh, that'll change their minds. But certainly, especially when we think about the Delta variant circulating and becoming the predominant variant in the U.S., uh, it is a concern. And uh, to that end, uh, L.A. County uh, is going to require masks indoors starting this Saturday. Uh, and, you know, frankly, I the right decision. You know, we uh, people have to understand this is a dynamic situation. It's not it's an unprecedented situation. So this is obviously going to cause a lot of pushback. We've seen this become very political. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, these public health systems, you know, need to be able to act accordingly. And, you know, earlier this year on this show, uh, we thought Governor Abbott made the right decision when he opened up Texas. And it turned out at the time it was the right decision. Uh, but again, you know, when the numbers start to go sideways and the number of hospitalizations increase, the number of cases increase, number of deaths increase. Uh, That's an issue that public health officials have to address. And, you know, we as citizens have to be aware of that. So what do we do about that? Scientists at the FDA, excuse me, scientists are asking the FDA uh, to accelerate its approval of these vaccines. They believe that one of the issues, in addition to misinformation, one of the issues that's causing people to be a little bit hesitant is the fact that the current vaccines in the United States are authorized 
which technically means they're still experimental. But nonetheless, um, you know, when we look at them, hundred over 300 million people, excuse me, over 300 million doses have been administered uh, in the U.S. Uh, and, you know, relatively, you know, when we look at that information, uh, in my opinion, at least, it looks like the FDA will probably just rubber stamp uh, the uh, full approval of these vaccines. Nonetheless, uh, it is a, a situation where FDA does look at the data. As we've discussed in the past, the FDA is the pretty much the gold standard when it comes to globally, when it comes to approving or authorizing drugs and vaccines. So uh, it's very important to let them get through that data. But nonetheless, uh, scientists are pushing the FDA to get through that as quickly as possible. Uh, another issue we're seeing out there was our booster shots going to be uh, necessary. So when you think of the virus and what a booster shot does, it kind of amps up your immune system. Uh, we know the immune response uh, tends to uh, diminish after a certain amount of time. Here, you know, again, dynamic situation. We're still learning how long the immunity lasts. Uh, at this point, uh, I've read the story that came out that Pfizer said a booster was uh, going to be needed. You know, that seems a little self-serving to me. You know, Pfizer, obviously, of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine should probably be filtering that information through the FDA. The FDA and CDC came back with pushback saying we don't have the data yet for that. And I think that's really a critical issue that we've been talking about over the last year, getting the data and look, looking at the data. And certainly you have the, the science in one bucket. You have the application of the science to the public health. And then, of course, that bucket on the right, the politics, the spin and how each of the parties interpret that data for their own uh, political agenda, that tends to be the loudest bucket. So uh, we got to remember, look at the data. That's what we try and do here on life, politics and life science, focus only on the facts. That's why I'd like to bring on now our guest, uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Dr. Lieberman is known as America's psychiatrist. Uh, she is an author and a news talk media commentator. Uh, she's a board certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist and an award-winning best-selling author. Uh, we're really lucky to be joined by Dr. Lieberman today. Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. So I, I mentioned earlier about this situation about hesitancy and about people not wanting to get vaccinated, whether it's because of misinformation, because of distrust. When you look at the the percentages, it looks like this is more than just uh, mistrust generally and um, perhaps, you know, waiting for approval. Because you look at Democrats, it's like 85 percent of Democrats say they have been or will be vaccinated. Republicans, it's not even 50 percent. I think it's around 45 percent. It seems to me that a lot of uh, in this group of the lower group seems to me they've kind of made up their mind and now they're filling in the facts to kind of support these conclusions. How do you, you know, from a psychological aspect, you know, how would you guide public health officials to these people that just seem to have already made up their mind? Well, um, first of all, the uh, public health campaign for COVID from the very beginning has been a disaster. You know, in addition to being a psychiatrist and an MD, I also have a master's in public health. And, um, and it was 
public health 101 uh, that you do not conduct public health campaigns the way that that this one was conducted, notably that you do not try to scare people to death in order to try to get them to do what you want, whether that's wear masks or get vaccinated or whatever it is. And um, that uh, problem, you know, the fact that it has been so bad for so long and is still so bad um, has really been what is causing uh, people to distrust the vaccine and to distrust anything that these so-called authorities are saying. Um, for example, masks, no masks, masks, no masks, going back and forth. Uh, people have stopped listening and they're angry about being told what to do when really it's obvious that nobody really knows what to do. I mean, this whole lockdown, for example, um, George Orwell's 1984 lockdown um, really has done so much damage. So many people have been hurt psychologically, physically by having to be locked down for so many months. So it's, it's a whole combination of things that now um, are, is making it even harder to get people to follow suggestions. Even let's just look at the mask, the fact that we have to wear masks again indoors and so on, that everybody does. Um, that had something to do with the fact that, especially July 4th, you know, people were, uh, and after the, after the mask mandate, after LA was reopened, um, for example, about a month ago, then people, people took advantage of that because they were so eager to get out. Um, some people were eager, not everybody was eager, but for the people who were eager to get out, they really overdid it in terms of um, taking a lot of chances. And, um, and now, of course, you know, uh, and especially with the Delta variant coming at the same time, um, we now have a bigger problem on our hands. But, you know, with your show called Politics and Life Sciences, that is the biggest problem with coronavirus, that politics have gotten involved. And I'm not talking about, you know, which party one belongs to. I'm talking about the politics of saying the, these authorities, so-called authorities, saying what you should do. And, um, you know, for example, the whole idea of saying that the vaccinated, those who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks. That was so politically motivated because it was to um, to try to get people to get vaccinated. Here's you know here's a prize if you get vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. So all of these things, these decisions, have been motivated po politically, at, not by science. Yeah, that's a great point. There was a study out uh, recently that you know you probably heard about these lotteries that states started doing to encourage people if you get vaccinated yeah. you're in a lottery and you could win x amount of money well ohio just came out with a study showing that the lottery had no effect on vaccination yes so uh, i yes, think you're absolutely right with these uh, it's unfortunate because you would think you know you put money out there and people would be encouraged but unfortunately uh i, I agree with you i think the, the the politics of this has been you know just a disaster i mean when if anything you know, a national tragedy, you think this would bring us together, but in fact, it seems like it's having the opposite effect, unfortunately. Uh, another question I have yeah. for you, uh, when you put your public health uh, hat on, you know, when you look at how LA is, is handling this with the, the mask, how do you think, you know, that's going to be interpreted or not even interpreted? How do you think people are going to look at that? Are they just going to wave their hands? You know, we see that uh, Governor Newsom's in the middle of a recall election, you know, 
getting back to this point of the politics of this, how do you think that, you know, now L.A. County having this um, mask mandate again starting this weekend, uh, how are people going to react to that, in your opinion? Yes. Newsom has been very driven by politics all along, deciding to that we don't have to wear masks, you know, was to make people happy, businesses happy to try to uh, whenever he was being threatened with being recalled. And now he is being recalled. Um, I mean, the, the vote at least is on. Um, he would do something to try to appease people. And when he thought, you know, he was out of the woods, he was safe. Then, you know, he uh, enacted various rules. But um, I know that there, the businesses in L.A. are very angry <laughs> about this, uh, especially the um, services industry, you know, hairdressers and, and uh, skin um, specialists and so on, or any business where you really can't wear a mask. Um, they are very angry at Newsom. And yeah, I mean, that, between that and the Wuhan lab controversy, people who still don't want to believe that it came from the Wuhan lab, there's so much secrecy. That is part of this politics issue as well. So much secrecy. People are angry about being lied to. Be yeah. Lied to not only about Wuhan, but about the, the side effects. I mean, that's another thing. You know, there are side effects to vaccines, to these vaccines. And, um, and there has been a big cover-up in terms of the extent of the side effects because of the government wanting more people to get vaccinated. And, I mean, for example... Um, which was it, uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, just the other day, they had to now make a warning that you could get um, Guillain-Barre disease from it, that they, they had 100 people um, who developed Guillain-Barre, which is an immune, it's where the, your immune system attacks your nerves. And, um, and they covered up I mean, I know as a doctor and I've seen people with Guillain-Barre, that is a very serious, devastating illness. They covered it up by saying it was, um, oh, I think one place said it was like an immune disorder and another place said it was just, it, it, they, made, they said this is not a very, this is a curable, very not, not very serious disease um, disorder. And in fact, people get paralyzed. Not everybody. Some people just have weakness in their legs, um, but it takes months and months for them to be able to get strong enough to walk. I mean, it's a very devastating disease, and they just tried to cover it up like it was a cold. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think we said even going back a couple months ago when there was that debate, uh, again, with Johnson & Johnson, uh, when people were uh, experiencing blood clots in the brain, that rare type of blood clot right. after receiving the J&J uh, vaccine. A lot of people were saying, especially politicians, that, you know, you're going to scare people from getting the vaccine for just a handful of people, relatively speaking. But nonetheless, you know, on this show, we said uh, people have a right to informed consent, you know, whether it's as long as there's a causal effect between getting the vaccine and getting a disorder or having a specific reaction, I think it's incumbent upon public health officials and the government to let its citizens know that they're out there. So I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, and, you know, that leads to another question. You know, when you look at these uh, statistics that are out there, especially, for example, the VAERS database, you know, as I mentioned earlier, over 300 million doses have been administered in the U.S., there's been about 6,000 deaths. Uh, how do you, you know, just sort of justify to people 
you know, a lot of people will say, I don't want to be one of those 6,000, but relatively speaking, it's a, it's a very low number. Now, whether you're for the vaccine or against the vaccine, <laughs> unless you're, unless you're one of those, uh, 6,000. <laughs> right. Of course. But, you know, again, you know, when we absolutely right, you don't want to be one of those 6,000, but again, our life, you know, we have risks and, that that argument to me just was kind of a weak argument. You know, that's like saying, oh, I'm not going to let my kid drive a car because it's too dangerous. They can get an accident. But how do you persuade people to kind of, you know, again, or maybe you, you don't, maybe it's just uh, of that 6,000. Again, that's a very minuscule number of people that have died. And again, that that's not even a causal relationship as a psychiatrist. You know, how do you tell people or convince people that, these percentages are extremely low, which would lead to believe that these are safe vaccines. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, not without risk, but ultimately, you know, seems to me that they're very safe. Well, I do not convince anybody to get a vaccine. I do not think people should be convinced. I think that um, people should be presented with accurate scientists, scientific information, and they should make their own decisions. Uh, for example, I am very much against kids getting the vaccine. Um, they, there, there has not only has the uh, research been inadequate for for the FDA to totally okay these vaccines, but certainly the research is inadequate for kids because uh, if we're talking about, for example, a 15-year-old kid, um, you would need to have 10 years of research to know that in 10 years when this child's uh, um, body, when his brain, when his, uh, all of his organs um, have been, have matured, that, um, that there are no side effects, um, especially even younger than 15, you know, 12 years old, you can't really say that it is safe. And, um, and you have to, you have to compare the risk benefit, the risk of um, vaccinating, you know, a, a 12, 15 year old child who has a very low risk point, 0.1 risk of getting COVID to begin with, and the risk of getting some kind of, of side effect is much greater than that. I mean, we know already that teen and early 20 year old uh, young men have gotten these heart conditions from the vaccine. Uh, I, I think we have to be really really careful. I think it needs to be everybody's free choice. I mean, you know, it's uh, this whole vaccine passport, for example, is, is taking away human rights. And I, it, if they went about this the whole wrong way, I mean, I think, you know, it is a little late to, to make a U-turn now, but I think people need to be spoken to as um, <laughs> intelligent adults and to give people the, the option instead of forcing them to do something one way or the other. So let me ask you this question. You um, it sounds yeah. like you didn't expect me to say that. <laughs> it sounds like you're no, no, no. Like, yeah, we, I, I, I want you to express your opinion. Absolutely. Uh, the question <laughs> I have is, you know, you know, when you mention that uh, children need to 15, 12 year olds, we need all that data because some children have, uh, you know, that are authorized in that class have experienced some side effects. But I guess the counter to that argument, and I'll play devil's advocate, is what about data that has showed young people have, are having longer-term effects who have gotten the virus from the virus itself, people who weren't vaccinated? How do you kind of 
compare and reconcile those two arguments about, okay, there is this potential to get a side effect from the vaccine. I agree with you 100%. They're not 100% uh, without risk. But also, we, there's data out there showing that people who aren't vaccinated and have gotten the virus are having, that have recovered are having long-term effects. You know, so how do you, is that just in your opinion, you present the data to the people and let them make their own decision? Or, uh, you know, what would you say to justify that? Yes. I mean, yes, there are people, of course, who have long, you know, long COVID um, who are having longer term effects. And yes, that's terrible. Um, But I still say that it is the risk, you know, what has happened to this country with the mandates that there have been so far is really devastating. And, um, and in places, you know, where there weren't as many mandates, um, there were less devastating effects. Not to say, I mean, yes, there are certain places where uh, there are clusters of unvaccinated people, people who live in very close proximity to each other and don't wear masks and all of that, um, and they are at the greatest risk. But, um, but I still say, you know, the, the risk of, of uh, living in a 1984 society, you know, c- continuing to head down that road, um, it has even greater risks, different kinds of risks. You know, it's not long COVID, but it's uh, a society where all of your rights are taken away. I mean, part of it, too, is that people like Newsom um, and, um, and Andrew Cuomo, those are the two worst, really. Uh, well, I guess Michigan also, for that matter. Um, they, um, they have just gotten high on power and have... Um, really, you know, really gone beyond what needs to be done. And, you know, another thing that we're going to, could be coming to now um, as people, as these authorities are getting, or, or government is getting more, um, uh, feel it, feel more pressed or feel more, whether it's power, feeling so much power or feeling that, you know, feeling that things are out of control, they want to control COVID. Um, there is going to be increased press prejudice prejudice towards the unvaccinated. I mean, just like the vaccine passport, or it's already happening really in certain places where um, stores or, or various places, restaurants, some, some places, private enterprises are saying you can't come in without a vaccine passport. It's not, it can't be, it's not the government yet, but, um, uh, and certain airlines and so on did that. Um, so, so that now, you know, the more that people get frightened, it's really all about fear. And the more that people get frightened, uh, the more there is going to be this increased precedent, prejudice. Oh, if you're unvaccinated, then I'm going to get sick. And really, you know, everybody has to do their own, um, you know, has to protect themselves. I'm not saying you shouldn't look out for other people, too, but I'm just saying that it's not because somebody else is unvaccinated that you are more at risk necessarily if you do other things. Like um, I developed this anagram um, that things that people can do to um, to protect themselves to be more uh, more to be less likely to get COVID, and that this is the kind of thing that should have been promoted from the very beginning, rather than um, all of the severe mandates. But um, I call it heal heal myself, H E A L, heal myself, and each letter. 
stands for something else that everybody could do every day that would make them um, make their immune system stronger and so on. Um, it, the H is for um, healthy, nutritious food. The E um, is for exercise. A is for um, aromatherapy. L is for laughter, at least one hour a day. Uh, myself, M is for meditation or relaxing music. Y is for your choice of vitamins or supplements. Um, S is for sleep, at least eight hours. E is for um, uh, engaging with other people, social support. Uh, L, L is for less <laughs> less uh, hours of watching or listening to gloom and doom. And Fauci, Dr. Fauci is the... Uh, personification of gloom and doom and f is follow your passion so uh, so i have started a petition to fire fauci he is the biggest problem in all of this and yet people some people are afraid to fire fauci because they feel like he's the only one who uh that their health is dependent upon what he says even though he has made one mistake and one lie after another so um so my, my website was fire, is pleasefirefauci.com. So if anyone listening to this agrees with what I'm saying, or, well, even um, just look at that. I have the anagram on there, the, um, the heal myself, things we can do to protect ourselves, and also reasons for firing Fauci. Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for that valuable insight and all your information today. I'm definitely going to, to try to heal myself. Uh, I'll look into that myself, <laughs> and I encourage our listeners to do that as well. Uh, Dr. Lieberman, you know, in addition to uh, your work as a psychiatrist, and you've also been uh, all over the news on CNN, Fox News, ABC, CBS, NBC, where can people find more information if they'd like to uh, look you up? Well, I have a few different websites. Um, since uh, we're heading towards 9-11, one of the things that I do, I'm also known as the terrorist therapist. Uh, and my website for that is terroristtherapist.com. Thank you so much. Dr. Lieberman, thank you for joining us today. And thank you all for listening. That was Dr. Carol Lieberman uh, giving us valuable information on her opinions on how to face the virus and how, you know, different opinions on vaccines. Appreciate you being with us. Everyone stay safe. We'll keep our fingers crossed to see, uh, hope our fellow Americans who aren't vaccinated are protected as well as those that are vaccinated, but greatly appreciate Dr. Lieberman's input today. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences.